So, um, as Dave mentioned earlier, uh, we're starting a new series this week. Um, if you were here last week, you would have heard our testimony panel, something we do um, every now and then, just something a bit different. We get people up from the church and hear their stories in more detail, how God's worked in their lives, um, how Jesus has broken in. And it was so encouraging last week. Um, I love that kind of thing. I would encourage you, if you get the church email, um, click on that link in the, in the email, go to the Dropbox folder and listen to those testimonies. It's so encouraging. Three people, three very different stories. Um, one became a Christian very young, another became a Christian in teenage years, another just a year or two ago. Um, but, but common themes, um, Jesus breaking in and turning lives around and making a difference and making a change. Um, and the, the series that we're looking at um, over the next couple of months, we've called it Life Changer. We're looking at the first four chapters of John's Gospel. And what, we, what we're going to see in this series is essentially the same thing. We're going to see people meeting Jesus and having their lives changed, having their lives turned around by Jesus. And it's, it's really exciting. I'm looking forward to the series. Um, we, were, we were thinking about this, this series as a team and trying to think of a, an image which would kind of capture what we're trying to get at with this series. And what we're not really talking about here um, is small life change, incremental change, the kind of change that you get um, when you are a parent of a child and they grow up very gradually and they get too big for their shoes and their clothes and they start learning new words and it's t- uh, small kind of changes bit by bit. Um, we're talking about big kind of turnaround life change, transformative change, um, going from one thing to another. And the image we came up with was one of um, a butterfly coming out of its cocoon. So you've got a caterpillar walking along on its legs, doing its caterpillar thing, um, going around its own business. One day it decides to spin its cocoon. And uh, I did a little bit of research on this, and it's a bit gory, so apologies if you're not into this kind of thing. But inside that cocoon, the caterpillar spins. It basically digests itself, and it turns into a kind of caterpillar soup. Uh, but in that soup are the building blocks for a butterfly life. And uh, eventually the, the cocoon comes off and out comes this butterfly. And uh, I wonder if you ever thought, if butterflies could think, if they had brains, what would they be thinking at that point? Hold on a minute, I've got wings. And it's that kind of change we're talking about here. Meeting Jesus can change your life completely. Like going from a caterpillar to a butterfly. That's what we're talking about. And it's really our vision as a church, as leaders of the church, we want to see all being transformed by the glorious love of the Trinity. So transformation is right at the heart of our vision statement. We want to see people being transformed, not just changed a little bit, but totally changed by meeting Jesus and experiencing the love of God and the love of the Trinity in him. So that's our vision. And it's a vision for all, for everyone. And that includes... You. So you might be sitting there thinking, that sounds great. I'd love to be transformed. I'd love to uh, have a bit of life change. I could do with some of that, actually. Uh, Maybe you've come here this morning and you're struggling. You're battling with a sin in your life and it just keeps taking over. And you keep going back to it and you just can't kind of get past it. And you're struggling and you feel like, yeah, I could do with a bit of transformation. That would be good. Or maybe you're in the middle of a trial a physical trial or an emotional trial that's, that's weighing you down and it's bringing you low and every time you wake up, it's there in the morning and you're carrying it around with you and you just think, oh, I could do with change. I could do with, 
I could do with a breakthrough here. Or maybe you're just feeling distant from God. Maybe you're just feeling like, Ugh, I, I just don't feel his, his presence, his power in my life. Maybe you're just feeling overwhelmed by life and you're only just keeping your head above water. Whatever it is, you're sitting there and you're thinking, yeah, I could do with a bit of transformation. Or maybe you're sitting there thinking of a friend and that friend is going through a really hard time. That friend is struggling and you're thinking, yeah, they could do with a bit of change. Their marriage is struggling. Their marriage is falling apart. They've got financial problems or they've got wars in their family and tensions and things are just falling apart for them. And you're thinking, yeah. A bit of transformation would be great. And I'm standing here, I'm talking about being changed by Jesus and uh, you're sitting there thinking, yeah, I could do with a bit of that. Well, I'm here and John's gospel is here to tell you this morning and over the next two months, Jesus changes lives. Jesus changes lives. And Jesus can change your friend's life, he can turn your friend's life around and Jesus can change your life. So we're going to dive in. We'll look at the first bit of John this week. So if you've got a Bible, please turn to that. It's on page 886. And um, while you're turning there, um, just a bit of background. So um, today and next week, we're looking at these first 18 verses of uh, John's Gospel. So John is the last of the four uh, Gospels in the Bible. Um, Eyewitness accounts of Jesus's life and ministry and death and resurrection. And it's a bit different from the other uh, three. The others sort of dive in with the story straight away. Um, Either Jesus' birth, the Christmas story, or uh, straight into his his, uh, public ministry in the case of Mark. Uh, John's a bit different. He takes a bit of uh, time out before he dives into the story with um, this introduction, which is the first 18 verses. It's kind of like a, a poem, and it gives a sort of big picture introduction to the gospel and introduces us to some of the major themes in the book. So it's kind of like a movie trailer, just sort of a minute and a half, two minutes of a little glimpse of what's coming in the movie and the big themes that are going to be covered. And hopefully it doesn't give too much away. Um, we're going to see that this introduction by John does give quite a bit away. Um, the, the passage we're going to look at today, these first 13 verses, uh, we're going to see John's going to show us two things, who Jesus really is and why he came into the world. And we're going to see the answers to those questions. Who is Jesus and why did he come? The answers to those questions are dynamite. And those have the power to change your life and to change the lives of your friends. So John starts and he starts by going back to the beginning, but not just of Jesus' life. He goes back to the beginning of the entire universe. Let's have a look. John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So John introduces us to this uh, kind of mysterious character called the word. Um, He he doesn't mention Jesus by name. We know this is a book about Jesus. It's a gospel account of his life. But he doesn't mention him by name. Why? Well, uh, Jesus was given the name Jesus when he was born in first century Judea. And I think John wants to take us bigger than that. He wants to say, no, Jesus' life didn't start when he was born. Jesus goes way back beyond that. Jesus is far bigger than you imagine. 
the, the Jesus story starts right back before the universe was even created, right at the beginning of time. And we learn two things about this character called the Word. He was with God and he was God. So we've got this distinction within God before the creation of the world. We've got the Word, Jesus, and we've got God the Father, and they're separate persons. But the Word is God. So they are the same. So when you look at the Word, what you see is God. When you look at Jesus, what you see is God himself. So John wants to give us a massive view of who Jesus is right at the start of his gospel. Jesus is no less than God himself. And he was there in the beginning with his father before the world was created. But they don't just stay there on their own, happy. Um, Something happens. Verse three. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. Father and son and Holy Spirit, as we'll see later, exists before the beginning of time. Then suddenly, bang, the universe is created. Explosive, creative power. And John says, everything that was made was made through Jesus. Everything. The universe, in all of its beauty, the stars, the planets, the galaxies, in all of its incredible intricacy and splendour, was created through Jesus Christ. Now, that is not what they're going to tell you at school. That is not what you will hear in the classroom. Your physics teacher will not stand up and say, the galaxies, the universe, the stars, the atoms, all of it was created by Jesus Christ. They will not tell you that. Your chemistry teacher will not say, all of the individual elements that make up this periodic table are the building blocks for all of life, created by Jesus. Your biology teacher is not going to say all of the cells and muscles and tissue and organs that make up humans and animals, all those things were created by the Son of God. It's not going to happen. Your history teacher isn't going to say kings and queens were created and given their rule and authority by Jesus. Your geography teacher is not going to say mountains, hills, glaciers, rock formations created by Jesus. Your English teacher is not going to say The languages, the grammar and the syntax that are used to communicate between peoples, created by Jesus. Not going to happen. They will not tell you that. But it's true. It's true. All of these things were created through Jesus, by Jesus and for Jesus. He is the author of creation. John wants to give us a big view of who he is. And just a side note here. That means that whatever you do in your job, uh, midweek, your occupation, because this is true, what you do has significance. Because Jesus is behind it. And what you work with was was created by him and through him. So the the wind that uh, blows the turbines, which create electricity, which I help people to design four days a week in my job, that wind was created by Jesus. The cows that give milk which is farmed and sold to customers are created by Jesus. The the, the paint that goes on the walls and the colours are created by Jesus. The the sparks and the electricity that is is put into the, the, the plugs is created by Jesus. 
that the food and the drink that you prepare and serve to customers is created by Jesus. The, the drugs that you administer to patients, the chemicals in those drugs and the gifts and the people that design those drugs are created by Jesus. The language that you teach to your children is created by Jesus. The children that you teach and the subjects that you teach them are created by Jesus. The chemicals that are in the cleaning products that you use to clean your house and wash up and put stuff in the laundry when your kids have got it dirty again and it's the third time that day, they are created by Jesus. Even, and this may be hard to believe, the raw materials and the intelligence to create computers, which we can't do our jobs without, but which cause us to tear our hair out every day and the IT problems that we go through, created by Jesus. All things are created by him. And that means that your, your job is more than just a way to get some money to feed yourself. Your job has significance. It means that you can do your job as worship because God has created you and gifted you and called you to do what you are doing. And you can do it as worship to him because it's significant because he is behind it all and he is above it all and he is Lord of it all. So Jesus created everything. But the pinnacle of his creation was not the rocks and the minerals and the vegetables and the animals, as amazing as they are. The pinnacle of his creation was life. The life that we see in humans, the life that we see in each other, that came from Jesus. He is the source of all the life in the world. That's what verse 4 tells us. Verse 4, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. Now, this is something that people who don't have God in their worldview, in their in the picture of their lives, have a hard time explaining. Where did life come from? How did life, in all of its uh, dynamic movement and reproduction and growing, and how did it get here from not life? I remember um, being in school, um, I think it was year nine or ten, um, learning about an experiment that was conducted uh, in the 50s or 60s, I think, where they tried to recreate the, um, the atmosphere uh, that they thought was on the Earth before life. So they got the, these, uh, these test tubes and this equipment and they sterilised it and got a bit of water and put gases in that they thought were going to be there, that they thought were there before, before uh, life. And they fired these sparks into this um, equipment, this incredible like voltage again and again and again, until they produce these um, amino acids, kind of like molecules that are the building blocks for life. An audacious experiment. I remember sitting there as I was um, 13 years old, thinking, a couple of problems. First of all, what they've made is not life. (laughs) They've made some molecules, which are the building blocks for life. But what's crawling out of that test tube is not an animal or an amoeba. It's another substance which they've made. But secondly, there's people who are doing the experiment. There's people who have set up the environment the way they want it to be. And they are firing these voltages through the the equipment. And they're keeping going until they produce the outcome they want. But the point is, they're doing it. There's human initiative behind it. There's someone behind that experiment. And I remember thinking just how preposterous, how unbelievable it seems to try and think that life could have come about in all its complexity and intricacy, by chance. And I thought that when I was 13, I I still think it now. 
I think it's, it's hard to explain. How, how does life come from not life? Well, the Bible tells us, John tells us, verse 4, in him, in Jesus, was life. Jesus is the source of all the life in the world. There he was with his father before creation, then bang, life appeared because it was in him. But the life that's in him was more than just a creative power, more than just an explosive power, which it is an incredible power to create all that we see. But it's more than that. There's a quality to it. There's a quality to the life that is in Jesus. And we've seen a bit about that already in verse one, where it talks about the the dynamic with the word and God being together. So Jesus and his father are our God. And there's a dynamic kind of interaction between them. There's a, there's a relational quality to the life that is in Jesus. It's got some, something of relationship in it. And the question is, well, what, what does that look like? We're not told here. It's actually something we find out. But the life that's in him is more than just uh, a creative power. It's more than just that explosive power that got the world going to start with and created life from nothing. There's a quality to his life. And we learn a bit more about what that quality is in verse one. There's hints of it there where it talks about the word being with God. There's actually a dynamic back and forth within God, within the life of Jesus and his father and the Holy Spirit. And it's a relational life. There's a quality to it that is relational. And what exactly that relationship looks like is something we're not told here. It's something that we see progressively revealed throughout John's Gospel. So I would really encourage you to um, to go away and read the Gospel of John over the coming weeks and have a look as you're reading the Gospel for um, hints of the relationship between the Son and the Father. And as you go, it's thrilling. As you go through, you'll find out. I won't give you. I won't give too much away now. Um, apart from to tell you a little uh, spoiler, it's amazing. It's amazing. The son just wants to give glory to the father. The father just wants to give glory to the son. They seem to only have the other's interests at heart. They want to elevate the other and not themselves. There's a kind of other-centred self-givingness to the life of God. And at one point, Jesus says uh, in, in the gospel, if you've seen me, you've seen the father. So look at my life and you'll find out what the life of God is. And what do we see Jesus doing? We see him caring for people who are on the fringes of society. We see him including the outcasts. We see him healing. We see him uh, just bringing life to every situation he goes into with humour and with grace and with strength of character. And we see him ultimately washing the feet of his followers, taking the place of a servant and going to his death for the sake of of those he's come for. It's an incredible life, an incredible glimpse into the life of God, and it's beautiful. And that, I think, is what the rest of verse 4 is talking about. John says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I don't know if you've uh, ever had one of those lights turning on moments where uh, the lights come on and you see uh, what's happening and what's around you and it's it's different to what you expected and it just changes things. I had one of these moments myself um, last week. 
it was uh, slightly embarrassing, but no one was there to see it, so it was okay. Um, but now I'm going to tell you what happened. It was uh, late in the evening. It was the end of end of the evening, so it was dark, and I had something to get from downstairs. It was from the downstairs bathroom, so I went downstairs, and I've done this journey enough times now to be able to do it in the dark. So I thought I won't bother turning the lights on. So I navigated my way round the chair in the kitchen where I knew it would be, and round the toys on the floor where I knew they would be. And uh, I was walking into the bathroom and I thought, well, I'll just turn the light on. There's a, in our house, there's a light switch um, just outside the bathroom door which turns on the light in the room where you're standing. Um, so I thought, I'll turn this light as I go into the bathroom. Turned it on and whack, right in front of me was the bathroom door. I stopped my nose about half an inch away from it and I jumped backwards and almost hit the back wall. And I think if anyone had seen me at that point, they would have been stitched up laughing. Um, it would have been very funny for them, uh, not so funny for me. I, I, do, well, I wonder if you've had any of those moments yourself where the lights come on, either physically or metaphorically, and you've seen what's around you and you've seen where you are and seen what you're meant to be doing, and it's just changed everything. Well, I think that's kind of what's happening here. Jesus shows us the life of God. He comes into a world that's in darkness, and we are in darkness, relationally, we, uh, we don't have this life of God in us naturally. We, we're not naturally other-centred. We're naturally very self-centred. Um, we don't naturally elevate others. We naturally want to elevate ourselves at the expense of others. The life that's in us is darkness. It's not the life of God. It's not light. But Jesus comes and he shows us the light. And he says, this is the kind of life you are made for. This is how you're meant to be living. And we look at it and we say... Oh yeah, he's right. And that's not in us. The light comes into the world and it's like he turns the lights on for us and shows us what we were made for. So can you see what John's doing here? He's kind of building up a picture for us of who Jesus is. And and it's, it's incredible. Jesus is God. And he was there at the beginning of the world and everything was made through him. And in him is life the life that we were made for a beautiful life and he goes on in verse six and he says there was a man sent from god whose name was john and you think what it's like change of tone he's been talking about cosmic uh, scale big picture ideas and suddenly he's in first century judea with a guy called john the baptist um, who's very kind of earthed and rooted in history and what's, what's John doing here? Well, he's making the same point, actually. He's just making it a different way. The point he's been making is that Jesus is a big deal. And it's the same point he's making here in verses 6 through to 8, just in a different way. So you can tell a lot about someone from the way they're introduced. Um, when I was uh, growing up, I grew up in Coventry. And uh, Coventry... Um, doesn't have a lot to sort of say for itself. It's not a particularly prominent city. Um, the main thing it's famous for is uh, being badly bombed in the war, which isn't a great thing to be famous for. Um, but there was a, a period in my life, in my teenage years, when Coventry made the national news headlines, and you can imagine how exciting that was. Um, the reason was that Bill Clinton, the then President of the United States, was coming to Warwick University, which is in Coventry, um, to ask me why it's called Warwick University, um, to give one of the final speeches of his presidency. And Tony Blair, the uh, Prime Minister, was going to be there as well. So it was all over the news, 
and uh, there was preparations being made for weeks in advance. Um, there were helicopters. Um, there was a motorcade. Um, no one was told the exact time of the speech uh, for security reasons. There was no kind of public walkabout. He was just sort of shipped in and shipped out. Uh, it was a massive operation. Uh, the newspaper headline um, were, were, were all over it for weeks. And that tells us something about the importance of Bill Clinton. The introduction he had and the preparations for his arrival showed us something about his status. In contrast, um, we were at a wedding yesterday and I was introduced to the friend of, um, to, to the fiancé of one of our friends. They're getting married um, next year. And I was introduced to him and uh, we shook hands, had a conversation. He's a nice guy. Um, and that was it. No helicopters, no motorcades, no uh, national news headlines. And that tells us something that, uh, about his status. He is a, a lovely guy, but he's not the president of the United States. And therefore, he doesn't get the same introduction. I think that's what's happening here. That's why John uh, puts this bit in his, his gospel at this point. He's making a point. The introduction that Jesus gets tells us something about his status. John the Baptist's whole life was devoted to this single purpose of introducing Jesus to the world. Verse 7. John came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. John's whole uh, reason for existence was to introduce Jesus, to prepare the way for his arrival. He didn't have a second job. This wasn't his sort of part-time hobby. This was why he, he existed, why uh, this was ho- his whole reason for being, um, to, to, to prepare the way for Jesus. And that tells us something about the importance of the guy who was coming into the world. Jesus is a big deal. Jesus is God breaking into our world. Jesus is God breaking into our world. And that truth on its own is enough to change our lives. But that truth, combined with the other truth we're looking at, what Jesus came to do, that's dynamite. Jesus is God breaking into our world. And that truth on its own is enough to change your life. If you understand and grasp the implications of that truth, it will change your life. But that truth, together with the answer to the other question we're thinking about, why did Jesus come? Those two things together, that will blow your mind. So why did Jesus come? Well, that's the question that John deals with in the second half of our passage from verses 9 to 13. So let's read that together from verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So the first reason Jesus came, we've dealt with already, to show us what God is like, to, to come into our world and turn the lights on, to reveal to us the life of God and show us what we're meant to be um, living as and, and what we're missing out on. So Jesus comes and he's the light. What's the result? 
Well, the result in verse 10 is tragic. He's rejected by the very people he has made, the very people that he has formed and shaped and cared for and loved and saved, the people that he's made for his own, the people of Israel, the people who should know him and be expecting him and be waiting for him. They reject him. They say, no, thanks. We're okay on our own. We don't need you. He came to his own people and his own people didn't receive him. It's, it's tragic. But the darkness does not overcome the light. We've seen that already. And there are some who see their need of him and they see who Jesus is and they come to him for life. And they come to him and say, yes, please, I want to be in on what you're offering. And to those people, Jesus gives the right to become children of God. Jesus says, you can come in on the family. Jesus says, you can be my brother, my sister. You can have my father as your father. You can be in my family. And this is the heart of why Jesus came. Jesus came, Jesus broke in to our world to share his life with us. To share the life that he has enjoyed with his father from the beginning of creation, from before the universe existed. That life And the pure beauty and quality of that life, he came to share that with us. That's the reason he came. I mentioned that I was at a wedding uh, yesterday and um, it was an Anglican wedding. And uh, in Anglican weddings, they follow these orders of service and they read these kind of set uh, statements. And I really like it, actually, that the the sentences are well crafted and they're often very profound and they state truth in a really um, great way. And the, the vicar was introducing the, the, the wedding ceremony and he was talking about um, what marriage is and um, what a Christian marriage is for. And he said these words as part of that introduction. He said this, marriage is given as the foundation of family life in which children are born and nurtured and in which each member of the family, in good times and in bad, may find strength, companionship and comfort and grow to maturity in love. And I sat there um, in my pew in this lovely church in, in Bristol and I thought to myself, wow, that's amazing. Family is such a gift. A good family, when it's working well, is a fantastic environment for growth and for, for security. It's a place where, as the sentence says, every member may find strength and, and companionship and comfort to grow to maturity. A good family, when it's working well, is a place of Total acceptance is a place where you know that you are loved unconditionally. It's a place where you know that you have permission to fail and freedom to get things wrong. And where there's going to be people in the family that pick you up when you fall down and say, have another go. It's a place where you know you're going to be forgiven when you mess up. A good family is a place where you, you can trust people and, and you, you know you can be trusted. A good family is a place where people grow to maturity. And all the studies, all the research shows that when children grow up in a secure and stable family environment with a, with a mum and dad who are committed um, in, in their marriage, they've got so much more chance of growing up to become healthy and well-rounded, stable, secure individuals themselves in adulthood. A, a solid family life is an amazing gift. And... Again, you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, Andy, great. Uh, Sounds lovely. And maybe if I'd had a family like that, 
I wouldn't be where I am now. Maybe I would be more secure and more stable than I am now. But sadly, my family wasn't like that. In reality, none of us experience a family like that. None of us have a perfect family. We all experience, to some level, conditional love. I'll love you if you do this or if you don't do that. We all experience, at some level, unforgiveness and people holding things against us and bearing grudges and bringing up past hurts. None of us have a perfect family. But here's the point. The family of God is perfect. The family that Jesus has always enjoyed from before the beginning of time uh, with his Father and the Holy Spirit in that community of love, that is a perfect family unit where there is total acceptance of the other. And of difference. There is total unconditional love. There is total desire to bless and give and not be served. Um, it's an incredible, it's a picture of what a perfect family could be like. And here's the thing. Jesus came and Jesus broke into our world to invite us into that family. To invite us to be a part of his family. To have his father as our father. That's why he came. And you, you are invited. You were invited to join his family. That's why he came. So you could have the right to become a child of God. And that is the power for change in your life. That is the power for transformation. That is the power that can turn someone, that can turn you from being a cocoon, turned in on yourself, concerned about your own uh, problems and, and fears and with a hard shell against the world to protect yourself. He can change you from that into being a butterfly, with, the, with wings flying, as you are made to be. This is what we were made for, to be part of the family of God, to be free and to be accepted and loved by him as our father. And this is the power for change. This is the power for transformation. And that's why Jesus changes lives. That's why Jesus can change your life. And that's why Jesus can change your friends' lives. Because he came for you. And that's the environment where we can grow up and we can grow to maturity. You might not have had a family that um, you feel enabled that in your life, but you can. You can be part of God's family and you can experience that kind of unconditional love and acceptance and forgiveness and freedom and security in him. It's offered to you. So just a couple of implications as I, as I finish. One for you, one for your friends. For, implication for you if this is true and this is the source and this is the power for change in your own life what do you have to do receive Jesus just receive him receive him for yourself and rest in being the child of God rest in being in his family so often we don't do this if we're believers already if we're already children of God um we don't rest in being his child. We don't rest in his unconditional love and acceptance. We try and earn his favour. We try and strive to, to prove ourselves to him, to, to make ourselves um, worthy of his love. But that's not the point. The point of a child is they don't prove themselves to their parents. They don't have to earn their parents' love. In a good family, the parents love that child whatever they do. And if you are a child of God, you are loved by him whatever you do. You don't have to earn his love. You don't have to prove yourself. You just have to receive Jesus and rest in being his child. And there, in that place, that's the place that you can change and grow into maturity. Implication number two for your friends 
if this is true, this is what your friends need most, is it not? Your friends need most the transforming power of Jesus in their lives to overcome whatever issues and obstacles they may be facing. But the point is, we can't do this on our own. We need God's power to break into a life and change a person from being a cocoon wrapped in on themselves to being a butterfly, the person God made them to be. And if that's something only God can do, what do we do? We pray. That's all we can do. We pray for God to to change people's lives and we pray for him to to, to transform people and to change this town of Chippenham. We've thought quite a lot recently about the mission that God has called us to, to, to share the good news and to go out and to join Jesus in reaching out to the world he's made. We've thought about that in our life groups as we've been through the book of Acts and we've thought about it um, earlier on in September as we did our series on mission and we were thinking about this as elders the other week and how can we kind of respond to what God is doing here um, and we felt it would be appropriate to finish our life group series the, the, the current series a week early um, and have a prayer meeting so that's what we're doing um, a week on Tuesday the 11th of October um, instead of life groups that week, we're going to cancel life groups and have a whole church prayer meeting on that Tuesday night at the Cordeo building, um, 7.30. Do come along to that prayer meeting if you can, and let's call out to God together to be doing his transforming work in our lives, in the lives of our friends, and in the lives of people we don't even know yet in this town of Chippenham, where there is so much need uh, of people for him. Jesus is God breaking into our world and the reason he came was to share his life with us and that can change your life let's pray father we just want to thank you so much for sending your precious son jesus into our world to suffer and die and go through everything he went through so that we could come into your family thank you father Um, for sending your son thank you jesus for following through on that mission and coming and thank you for showing us the life of god and father we pray that you would work in our hearts we pray that you would work in the hearts of our friends to receive you to believe on your name and to rest in your love and being your children and that you would change us we pray amen